Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Got it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you this word and uh, I want you to uh, take out your phone really quick. All of you guys have a phone. If you don't have a phone, you don't have to take it out. But grab it really quick and um, raise your phone really quick, all of you. All of you have a phone. Please let me see your hands with your phones. There you go. Great. You guys are awesome. Great. Now, look at the top left. On the top left, you should see something, right? There's little bars. How many bars do you have? One. Raise your hand if you have only one bar. Wow, Boost Mobile Phone, huh? <laughs> what do you have? What do you have? What is it? Sprint. One bar sprint. What, two? Oh, he just turned to that. Tony turned to two bars. Good, good, good. All right, AT&T, what do you guys have? Five bars. Good, great. That's a good. What do you have back there? AT&T and two bars? That phone, man, that phone. Okay. Uh, anybody else? Another bar. Anybody else? T-Mobile, what do you have? Three bars. Four bars right there. T-Mobile too? Yeah, okay, good, good. Check it out. Um, all of us have different levels of reception, right, receptivity. What I want to talk to you guys about today is something simple and it's receptivity. How receptive, how much reception do you have? And that's the title of tonight's, today's message. How much reception do you have, right? Some people have two bars, some people have five bars, some people have one bar. That's on your phone. What about in your walk with Christ? What about in your thirst for God? How receptive are you? And I want to say this with as much, how do I say this, tact as I possibly can. But if you're not receptive, it'll show in your family. It'll show in your relationship with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your, your, your children. Receptivity changes everything. When you have reception, when you have high reception, you're able to tell and, and, and you're able to love and receive love. Listen, when you are highly receptive, you can give love. Let me tell you, one time, I remember it was a very specific, specific time. It was my wife and I, and she was talking to me. I can tell you this. I don't remember what I was talking about because I was on my phone. Uh, say boo. All right, good, good. I know you guys never, ever do that. But um, I, I remember just, Eoni, she just kept going, and I was on my phone, and, and it was the last time I was on my phone while I was with my wife. <laughs> because I understood. She said, if you're going to be with me, be with me. If you're going to be with your phone, then be with your phone. And I got it. I was like, okay. Can I just finish the message? No, no. I, I, I realized this, that, oh, my goodness, man. I was so absent from my, even where I was supposed to be with my wife. Some of you guys are here and you're not here. And I'm not saying, like, church physically. You might have been brought, but did you come? You might have been brought, but did you Are you actually here? Are you where you're supposed to be? With my own family, my children, they don't need me to be there physically only. They'll need me to be there receptive to their needs, receptive to what's actually going on in their lives. I have a five-year-old, and my five-year-old, he's a smart little kid. I mean, every little kid's smart, honestly. They're, otherwise, we just have pets, right? They're, they're human beings. Like, they're smart, right? This kid is so smart, and, and uh, he can perceive things. Like, if Eoni and I were talking about something, we think he's not listening. Guess what? He's listening. The other day I said, oh, crap. You know, and the little kid, I hear him later on, oh, crap. I was like, wait, wait, you weren't supposed to hear that. Like, that's, no, you know, don't say that word. And I'm saying it here in church. Anyway, all the little kids, well, they're all in kids' world. But anyway, but kids perceive everything, right? They're always aware. Their antennas, their radars are like, dee, 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 they're always transmitting. But are you receptive? Okay? I want to tell you uh, one of the, the best secrets I have for my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm always trying to be receptive. I want to hear from God. I want to hear from heaven. There was this time, and it was a very specific moment. I was going down this hill. I was coming from preaching at an encounter, and I was going to a wedding. I was suited and booted. I was looking good that day. You know, I had my good boots on. Uh, and uh, and uh, I don't picture like vaquero boots, you know. They were like just nice boots, you know. I was down, and I, uh, and, and I was driving down. It was like a few years ago. And I had this old beat-up car, like the kind of car that like we call it keeper cars. Like if guys, if you drive that car and a girl still dates you, then she may be a keeper. That's kind of thing, you know. And so I had this keeper car that, uh, that if you stopped the car and you turned it off, it wouldn't turn back on, you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, man, I need a push. So this car, I was going, except it's an automatic, so even a push wouldn't help. So anyway, I was going down this, down this hill, and, and I feel this tug at my heart. I feel like God is telling me to stop the car. And I'm like, Lord, 
yeah, I can't stop this car. You gave me this car. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I had to stop the car, so I stopped my car. I was already running late. Eunice already at the wedding. Like I said, I'm coming from preaching, and, and I, I feel this, this nudge that I need to turn the car around. And so I turned the car around, and the Lord says, get out of the car. And when I tell you the Lord says, I don't mean like, get out of the car. I don't mean it like that. I mean like you feel this conviction in your heart. I'm like, ah, okay, fine. And so I get out of the car. It's like, Lord, you know I can't turn this car off. You know, if I leave the window down, you know, I come from El Monte. It's a crazy city. Things get stolen. You know, it's in the middle of the woods. I'm not what am I going to do with the car. So anyway, all my arguments. And I leave the car on, the window down. And I'm outside the car. And God's just like, start walking uphill. And I'm thinking, like, I'm going nuts, man. I'm doing too much church over here, you know. Like, I need to chill a little bit. But instead, I said, okay, God, well, I'm going to obey. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Me feel silly a little more. That's okay. So I start walking up the hill. I cross the, I cross this, cross the, the street. And I'm walking up this mountain. Dude, I felt so ridiculous. Like, in this suit, looking good, according to my standards, right. And I'm looking good up this hill. And I'm going on the left side. And I'm, like, thinking, dude, this is weird. And out of nowhere, out of the bushes, this lady comes out. And I'm telling you, some of you guys are thinking it's Bloody Mary or La Llorona, right? You're like, no. Like, oh, my gosh. You know, I see this lady come out with its huge shades. She still had, she had this poofy hair. Like, she was nicely dressed. And I'm thinking, like, whoa, I just took, like, a step back. She looks at me kind of like, she had this big sunglasses. I didn't see her eyes, but she went like that. And, I, and it was kind of like from here to there, you know. And, and I look at the lady. And I'm thinking, what the heck? Like, what's happening? And I, and I tell her, hey, ma'am, uh, uh, can I help you? And she said, no one can help me. And I said, ah, uh, okay. I'm just kidding. No, and so I look at this lady. I'm thinking, man, I stopped my car. I know this is the reason. I know this is what God has me to do. So I said, look, the Lord told me to stop my car. The Lord, my, the Lord brought me to you. And I'm, I would like to pray for you. She's like, you don't need to pray for me. No one can help me. I said, look, I'm going to pray for you. Darn it, you know, and I, I just said, look, I'm just going to pray for you, and, and I think when I took a step forward, I don't know if she took a step back, I just closed my eyes and went for it, you know, so I just went ahead, and I started praying for this lady, I didn't know her name, nothing, and the, when I, I listen as I'm praying, and she starts weeping, like just like bawling, crying, crying, her eyeballs out, when I, when she takes her glasses off, she's like, her eyes are like fully red, makeup running, it was a big mess. It was awesome. And the lady told me, you don't know what's happening. She said, I was about to jump off this cliff. I had already gone down there and I was going to commit suicide right now. I heard someone coming. And I was like, okay, Lord. Now, some people that are here, do you guys remember when she came to testify to the church? Were you there, Paigey? She came to, Jared, you were there too. She actually came and testified a couple days later or the next day or something like that. It was a Saturday wedding, so Sunday was when she came and testified. And she, she said the test was like, I was about to kill myself. And the Lord sent this guy, and I was just like, cha-ching. That was awesome. Now, listen, how do you know if it's just the pupusa you ate the night before, or if it's actually the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Do you know what I'm saying? Another time, my buddy calls me from Colombia and says, hey, you know what? Um, they put my dad in jail. Uh, it's Pastor Freddy. They put my dad in jail. You know, they, they framed him. And, um, and uh, you know, he's going to be there a long time. Please help me pray. I say, how much is, it? How much is bail? He's like, nah, man, don't worry about it, man. I was like, how much is bail? He said, I'm not going to tell you. I just want you to pray. And so as soon as I hang up the phone, I call his wife. And, of course, his wife told me the amount, you know. And so she's like, and, you know, when I look at the amount, it was the exact amount. I mean, when you transfer Colombian pesos to American dollars back then, it was like 2,876 cents or something like that. Uh, you know, it was like a ridiculous amount, 0.05. You know, and I did the conversion from my Wells Fargo account, the savings account that I had towards buying my motorcycle. I wanted to buy an R1, a Yamaha, and I had saved enough money for it. I went to Burt's Mega Mall in West Covina. I was going to buy it. They didn't have my black and silver look that I wanted. And so I, I said, okay, when you guys have it, I'll come. No, you could put the down payment. I was like, no, 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 when you got it, I'll come pay for it. You know, because, you know, I don't know what's up. I don't know if they're going to be here next week. You know what I mean? And so, so when I leave and, and I realize, oh, man, like I had saved up all this money, the exact amount to get my, my friend's dad out of jail. Now, check this out. The, the, on Monday, that was on a weekend, on a Monday, after I send the money, you know, I wired in different uh, sense, and I, I get on Monday, I'm trying to help this guy move out of, the, out of his house, and, and I see this awesome bike. It's like an old school, cool bike, and he's like, I was like, oh, man, he's like, hey, you want it? I was like, oh, man, I don't have, if I would ask me last week, no, no, I'm giving you this bike. I was like, boom, 
Drop the mic. I was like, are you guys kidding? I was, it was awesome. Now, check this out. My mom gives my bike away about, you know, a few weeks later. She's like, I was like, hey, man, where's my bike? Oh, Elias needed it. Who needs a bike, dude? Like, yeah, the carpet cleaning guy. She gave my bike that I didn't even care. I didn't get mad because I understood. All this desire, all this saving, all this thing was not about me. It wasn't about my bike. It was about what God wanted to do in Freddy's life. Check this out. Freddy's, he never witnessed to his dad. He could never talk to his dad about God. Oh, he preached to the world about Jesus, but never to his own father. In jail is where he preached to his dad. His dad gave his life to Christ. Pastor Freddy opened seven cell groups in that prison. Cell in cells. Come on. Seven cell groups in the cells. I was like, you really do have cells, huh? Yeah, where'd you meet? At cell. <laughs> you know, so uh, the, the, the idea that God can speak to you and that you can listen is amazing. I'm going to tell you one last story. And this is, uh, it just happened, it was like uh, two weeks ago. When was Good Friday? Two, three weeks ago? Okay, good. So I was about to have communion with my wife. I do that every so often. We'll sit down at the table. I get bread and you get wine and, uh, or, or grape juice, whatever we have at the moment. And we just sit there. And we pray for each other, and we come to one accord, and, and it's just a beautiful, intimate time. If you are married, I invite you guys to do it. It's a wonderful thing. It's incredible. Um, and it's just beautiful, you know. Um, and I was sitting there about to have communion, this beautiful moment with my wife. And I don't know what I said, that I asked her to do something, and she didn't do it. For some reason, she forgot. And then she asked me, how come I didn't do it? And then I went back, and I went, and we were going back and forth in front of the bread and the wine, okay? We're having this, like, crisis. It wasn't like we're smacking each other around or anything. We're not Mr. and Mrs. Smith, you know? But we're sitting there, and we're just, like, not being in one accord. We're bickering, like, like good pastors that we are, you know, showing you guys a great example. And, and all of a sudden, I'm not playing, man. This is, you're not going to believe me, but ask Eoni about it. And she's the most honest woman you'll ever meet, I promise you that. Isn't that, Paisy? Isn't that the truth, right? To a fault. She's amazing. And I'm sitting there. I feel this. I don't even, I didn't even think about it. Nothing. The wine was right there. I go like this and go. And like shove it on my face. I never. It was ridiculous. It was weird. I was like, what the heck? Just I had wine all over my face. I smelled like a hobo. I'm like looking like, what is going on? And Eoni, Eoni is looking at me. I think I had a one-on-one with one of you guys. Sean, you were there that day. You were waiting for me outside. Where's Sean at? That's why you were waiting outside because I had to change because I was smelling like a wino. You know, I, I, it was the weirdest thing. It was this, comp- I didn't, and when he looked at me, I, we just started laughing. We were laughing for like five minutes. We didn't know what was going on. She's like, what did you, he's like, I don't know, what did you do? What were you praying? And I realized, oh my goodness, like someone had to interrupt. You know, we're having this moment with the Holy Spirit, Eoni and I, and he's like, hello, I'm over here. You guys are arguing. We're trying to do this thing. And he goes, Fine. I know what God did in my life. Look, I don't know if you think I'm just weird or if you knew me enough, you'd know that that's not something I would ever in my entire life would do. I am not weird. I don't work with weird. I don't do weird. I am not weird. I studied psychology to actually because I thought people were weird and I try to help weird people out. You know, like it's not what we do. But that moment, it was like, a weird moment. I was like, what the heck? Eoni and I laughed about it. It was like, it was such a beautiful time. After that, we had an incredible moment of just, of just fellowship with each other. Man, it was beautiful. And I, I thank God for the Holy Spirit because sometimes he'll make you do things or he'll want, if you allow him, by the way, he's not a demon. He's not going to possess you. But if you allow the Spirit of God to operate in your life, he will change your relationships. He'll change everything about you. Your finances, the decisions you'll make won't be based out of your own intelligence It'll be about the guide and, uh, on the leading on the Holy Spirit. I got to tell you this. There's, there's simple truths about, about this. The Bible talks about it. Isaiah 55, 1. And it says the following words. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear them to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. It's talking about not just, I need this, I need this, I need that. It's talking about the wisdom of God. It's talking about the gift of the Spirit of God. What will you do if God speaks to you? Will you just trample it under your feet? Will you know what to do when God speaks? Oh, because He speaks all the time. A girl, you know, a guy one day, one day said, oh, I don't believe in Satan. 
And Charles Finney said, you should try to resist them for once. You'll believe in them really quick. I'll tell you this. What will you do with what God tells you? Will you pretend like it's just a feeling? Or will you say, nah, I'm too cool for that stuff. I don't believe in asking for forgiveness. I don't believe in, in giving out of what God puts in my heart, not out of trying to get something from someone. When was the last time God used you to bless someone without you having to get something in return? When was the last time God used your hands, your eyes, your ears, your arms? When was the last time the Lord used your car? When was the last time God used you to bless your own family, your children, your spouse? I know that without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I'm a shell of a man. I'm the shadow of the husband my wife deserves. And I'm telling you, a third, if that, of what my children should be getting. But the guidance of the Holy Spirit teaches me how to be a father. My dad died when I was two months old. And according to my wife's words, I am the best father. Not because it's me. I didn't learn it. I have to ask constantly the Spirit of God, help me, give me wisdom on how to deal with these kids. Because I want to choke them. Just kidding. No, no. No, like, show me, Lord. Show me. I know sometimes we're in counseling sessions and the Lord leads and he has to lead. Because if he doesn't lead, I don't want to be there. Do you listen to the Spirit of God or have you quieted the voice of the Spirit? You came to church today or maybe you were brought, it doesn't matter, but you're here today. Here's the thing. Some people come to church and depends on how receptive, what kind of reception you have, you're going to receive. So some people come to church like this. You know, God, I want to receive from you. I'm hungry. Please feed me. I want something. I want to hear. I want to learn something. But some other people, when they come to church, you know, they come a little bit more hungry and they come like this. And they say, okay, God, I'm, a, I'm hungrier than that guy for sure. Like, I got here early, you know what I mean? Like, I want some more. I actually raised my hands during worship. You know what I mean? Like, I actually want to be here. Like, Lord, I invited people because I know there's good stuff here. Right? I want to grow, Lord. I want, I know the guy is weird. He's not like a, like a pastor that teaches. He's just talking up there. But let me receive something. You know what I mean? Like, but then there's other people, and these are my favorite kind of people, that when they go to church, they go to cell group, they do the devotionals, they go like this. They're like, yes, I actually want from you, God, all that you have. Fill me up. Amen? Depending on your receptivity, on how much reception you have, is how much you're going to receive. Amen? God doesn't have a little for you. He has so much for you. But you come to him with a tiny little bowl, a little bottle, and God's like, Really? You have the creator of the universe, the source of wisdom, the, the one who is love, kindness, the one who is actually able to flow into you true joy. And you're caught up in entertainment. And all you want is a little bit. Sometimes we come like that, don't we? We have our own preconceived ideas, our own religious schemes. Because after all, we think we know enough already. What stops people from being receptive? What are some of the things that stop you and I from being receptive at times? The first one that I see, and the first one I would like to share with you, this I didn't teach to the 9 a.m. service, so you guys get a little more. Um, <laughs> but the first one is hurt. When people are hurt, they're no longer receptive. Think about relationships. Have you ever had a, 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 a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a, a husband, wife, and, and you guys are doing great, you're flowing, it's good, but all of a sudden you feel hurt. Uh, maybe you are hurt. You do get hurt. I mean, we, hurt people hurt people, right? Sigmund Freud said, a person with a toothache cannot be loved. Now, that guy was an idiot in so many things. But he was smart in some other things, right? This guy knew some things. And he said, a person with a toothache cannot be loved. What is he trying to say by that? Have you ever had a toothache? You put alcohol on it or you put a warm cloth and you're like, I can't stand this. If you're lucky, you get the little bottle from CVS that numbs your whole mouth and you cannot taste any food for days. You know what I'm talking about? No, he's like, no, I actually have insurance, Pastor. Dang, it's like that, huh? Okay, okay. So I can't always get to TJ. You know what I mean? So anyway, so, so you guys got to get this. When you're hurt, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want, you want anybody to touch you. Don't hug me right now. Just, just leave me alone. You ever been there before? Girls, you know what I'm talking about. Guys try to approach you at specific times. You're like, get away. And you're like, what's wrong? Just get away. And you're like, got it. Some of you guys are passing by really fast. It's going to get to you one day, I promise you. When you're hurt, when you're uncomfortable, when you're not feeling well, you don't want anybody talking to you. Nobody, I don't want you, just go away. When hurt people are hurt, they cannot hear anything. Even if it's good, even if it's wise, even if it's for them, they won't hear it. 
If you come to church sometimes, maybe you have something against someone, you're upset, you're hurt, it'll stop your receptivity. First thing you need to do if you want to actually receive from the Spirit of God, you want to flow in Him, you want to hear His words, you want to move in Him, you need to not be hurt. You need to let God heal those areas of your life that need to be healed because a person with pain will not be receptive. I've tried that before in encounters. The reason we do encounters, we do the Holy Spirit at night on Saturday nights, filling of the Holy Spirit. First, healing has to happen. Deliverance needs to happen. So hurt people will not hear as well as healthy people. Self-righteousness. Now, I know this is not for you because you're so righteous. But for the person next to you who's not as righteous as you, self-righteousness stops receptivity. You can, it's like a concrete wall. When you feel like you, you, you got things figured out and you're doing so well that you don't need that, then you cannot hear it anymore. They check this out. Most of the time, I'm right when I'm arguing with someone. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I'm righteous. Right? Just because you're right, it doesn't mean you're righteous. Just because you're right, it doesn't mean you're righteous. Oh, you may be right, but you're so wrong. Man, you're so wrong. But Oh, you're right every time, Mr. Right Guy. But you're so righteous, self-righteous. It's you, so wise in your own understanding. Isn't it weird how when you're talking to someone, you feel that, don't you? You know when someone knows everything already. They're called know-it-alls. It's almost like the duh person. You don't want to say anything because you're like, okay, you already know. I had sometimes people at church, they come to me for advice, yet they tell me the advice. I'm like, wait, okay, so you're asking me. But you haven't even let me talk. It's been like two hours and you're, my marriage is better because you talk to me. Thank you so much, I tell them. It's almost like, or you try to address an issue with someone. Yeah, God already spoke to me. And you're like, dude, okay, I know God speaks to you. But why hasn't it changed if God already told you? Is that okay? Yes. So self-righteousness doesn't let people deal with issues. Doesn't let God deal with issues. Sometimes we feel like we're right. Once again, I repeat, but it doesn't mean you're righteous. Oh, you may be right. You may win an argument, but you're going to lose a friend. Lacking wisdom. Amen. We desperately need to be under the conviction that we're in need and constant need of God if we're ever to be receptive to him. You cannot hear from heaven if you don't need the one who's enthroned in it. You cannot hear from heaven if you don't need the Lord. We say it like this. I went skydiving and I loved it. It was awesome. It was a great experience. But I would never walk around with that dumb, big backpack. Why would I? So I could pull the string anytime I want. Why would I walk around with a backpack if I don't need a parachute? I only need a parachute if I'm falling of the skies. The need changes everything. Do you need constantly of the Lord? Because if you do, I promise you, there's great receptivity. Great receptivity. Next one is materialism. Now, materialism doesn't mean you like good things. It doesn't mean that, oh, you're materialistic because you like that brand or because, you know, you like Tom Ford and Chanel and in, instead of CVS. You know, like it doesn't mean that you're materialistic. It means you got a job. I'm just kidding. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. No, no. It doesn't mean you're materialistic. It, it really doesn't. That's not materialism. I know some people that like great things that they're kind and giving and caring. And then there's also individuals that are very materialistic, not because they, don't, they like something or not, but because all they think about is the material. It's just the world, me, humanism, I'm the center. It's what I see. They're not spiritual at all. You're missing the third part of your life, which is the most important part. You're a body, you're a soul, which is intellect, mind, and, 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 and will. But then there's a third part, which is your spirit. You are a triune being. You're not here as a ball of energy that the lights get switched off when you die. We're having a funeral this week. One of our 144 passed away. She died of cancer. You guys know Josie. We love her and her family. She has beautiful twins and Rigo. And we could confidently say, Rigo, this woman gave her life to Christ. She came to this encounter. She was under, uh, you know, in, in George and, and Janet's ministry. She served the Lord. She wanted to. Did we all have struggles? Who has struggles? We all have struggles. But man, she also had the Lord. I can tell you this, she's sitting pretty right now. No more cancer in her body. I'm telling you, no more sorrow, no more pain. She's in an amazing place. I hope nobody has to lie in your funeral. I hope nobody has to say, yeah, you know, everybody goes to heaven. Not everybody goes to heaven. That's a lie. 
then why did Jesus die? He's a fool. If he didn't have to die, and he died, and he got beat for it, and strict, and bled out to death, if anyone can go to heaven, why would he do that? He said, I am the only way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. Either he's a liar or he's the Lord. But he can't be both. He's a con artist or he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. His existence is not up for debate. There's more documentation for him than Abraham Lincoln. Does that make sense? Like he is who he is. The question is, are you materialistic or are you spiritual? Do you see him just as the teacher, the prophet, the good guy from the first century? Or is he a spiritual being who defeated death? Does that make sense? On the third day he rose, therefore you have victory in your life. Are you a spiritual being? Can you understand spiritual matters? Or if you don't understand it, it must not exist. If I don't get it, then it must not be true. Well, stop eating because you don't understand the whole process. It's going to sound really funny and silly, but digestion is a wonder. Did you know you begin to digest your, mouth in your, your food in your mouth? As soon as it touches your mouth, there's enzymes that begin to break down the food. By the time it reaches your stomach, it's already halfway processed. It's crazy. You could actually process food in your mouth. Most of the, the blood, everything that you get into your bloodstream goes already through your papillaries, inside your mouth, your capillaries, all this. Uh, I'm trying to think of the English word. You're absorbing through your bloodstream everything that's in your mouth. Well, I didn't know that. Then stop eating because you don't understand it. Do you understand? Do you know how your, how your stomach actually keeps food down? What kind of muscles are employed so that your food can go down and onto, I mean, yards and yards of intestines? No. Then stop eating because you don't understand. Well, I don't understand exactly. God does not need to be understood. He never asks you to understand. He asks you to follow. It's amazing because as we follow, we learn. The world says, I want to see to believe. And God says... You have to believe to see. Materialistic people will never, ever, 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 ever want God in their lives. Because then they'll be accountable to someone they cannot see. Accountability is one of the most wonderful things in my life as a man. I would have been ten times unfaithful had I not had accountability. I have a Lord who's always with me. A God who I could never mock. I don't understand how women can trust a man without accountability. I don't get it, girls. I really don't. I'm a man, and I can tell you this, and I, I'm telling you, I feel like I've done pretty well as far as faithfulness with my friendships, my family, and my relationships. But without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I would not trust me. I can't, because there's no accountability. The problem with a self-made man is that he ends up worshiping his creator. When you're a self-made man, you are God. You are creator. You think you're it. You're a materialistic person. Women, I tell you this, look beautiful, look gorgeous, shine. Let the world see what God made. It's amazing. But... Not, the husband said, Carla, there you go. But not for one second, not for one second assume that that's the most important thing about your life. Man, there's a world that will last forever. And if you don't heed to that, I'm afraid that you won't have investment into the future. Everything will burn with you. Everything will end as soon as that machine stops beeping. The next thing is called familiarity. The next thing that stops receptivity is familiarity. You become too familiar, overly familiar. All of a sudden, the person becomes an average person. It's no longer the, the person that speaks to you about, with love. It's no longer your, you know, a leader or a pastor or, or, hey, a mom, a dad who you love and appreciate. I ask myself sometimes, how long does a person have to be in the grave for you to begin to be receptive? Sometimes people become receptive when the person's no longer there for you to receive from them. I've seen it too many times. They come and give flowers to the front. They should have given those flowers when the person was not in a casket. Can you say, God, make me receptive to the love of my family. Make me receptive to the love that people are next to me. My kids, my friends, the person that's sitting right next to me. God, make me receptive to their needs. Are you receiving the needs of other people? Are you simply going about thinking of, meh, what a great sheep we are of the Lord, right? Are you really listening to what's happening in people's lives? Can, you, can God interrupt your day and say, hey, stop what you're doing. Those five bucks you're going to spend on your latte, can you just hook someone up? The person that's behind you, hey, I'd like to pay for your coffee. Why? 
Man, because Jesus loves you. Can you do something other than for you? I know, church, I sound like I'm mad. I'm not mad. I'm mad about God. And I'm mad about seeing the work of God in people's lives. Today, if you listen with receptivity truly towards your family, it'll change, I promise. The biggest complaint of wives towards her husbands is this. He is not here. He no longer conquers. He no longer conquers me. Biggest complaint. Big, by far, and we've done a lot of counseling. I'm 37. At the age of 17, I started counseling. I don't even have a girlfriend. I was already counseling in marriages. It was weird. It was like, Lord, you lead. I feel bad for those people, honestly. I don't even know if they made it. You know what I mean? Like, I hope they did by the grace of God. You know what I mean? But like 20 years after this, I see the same thing over and over. Dudes are so receptive when they're going out. She said she likes velvet cake with sprinkles on top. And so he brings her a velvet cake with sprinkles on top muffin out of the Mount Himalayan mountains or something. And then all of a sudden they get married. And they go down, or you're not even married, man. You go down for like two weeks. You know, and then like, and the girl's like screaming at your face. We haven't spent time lately. I'd love to go out somewhere. You want to watch some Netflix? What, dude? Where's your receptivity? I mean it. Some of you guys are like, Pastor, you, I brought a friend today. Can you chill out, please? Calm down. No. Because I promise you, if you become receptive and you remain receptive, what God can do in your life is amazing. I've known pastors, good friends of mine, that are no longer receptive to what God can do. Their expectations levels have decreased. Their, drops call, their calls drop all the time. Heaven is no longer, dude. It's no longer something that they're looking forward to seeing windows open and things pour down. I'm excited to see what God will do. And we're, this is the third year, okay. You guys don't know, some of you are here, but this is the third service. Today we counted, there's nearly 80 students developing. This is destiny training without counting life class. 80 students developing to be leaders. 30 of these within three months, I believe wholeheartedly will open a cell group. Listen, this is crazy, crazy. Because the reason I'm telling you guys this is because there's people that are expecting God to do something through their lives. Expecting God to do something in their lives. Some people don't live, they survive. They're sitting, waiting for God to do something. And God is doing something right now. Are you receptive? I remember one time Elijah was talking to me. Papa, papa. And I was busy. He was, you know, doing things in the ministry. Papa, papa, papa. And I was like. I could hear him, but I couldn't hear him. And finally he says, Pastor. My heart went like this. My heart broke. And I was like, mm. I don't even know who I was talking to. I was just like, my boy got me, man. I learned my lesson that day. He said, if you can be available to them, can you be available to me? Do I need to call the pastor for me to receive time and affection? And you see, I thought I had learned enough. I thought I had seen enough pastor's kids get messed up. By having to share daddy with everybody else. See, I learned. That moment my son taught me. Because I was receptive to hear his voice. I didn't hear his words. I heard the need of his heart. And you as my witness. All of you as my witness. If my voice speaks to me and you're around. You're getting interrupted. He's not. Why is that? Now, it's not that I'm not trying to educate my kid. But I don't want you to be his competition. You get what I'm saying? I don't want him to resent you, the church, for taking daddy away. See, I had to hear my son's heart. Not just his words. Can you hear people's hearts, not just their words, not just their anger, not just their insults? Can you see what's behind them? Are you still receptive? Are you like Boost Mobile Phone? <laughs> Can you hear what is going on? Can you guys grab really what God is trying to download into your heart? The last thing is pride. And pride, I say, always is like bad breath. You're the last one to know it. You got it on you. People know it and can't stand it. But you're like, what bad breath? I got to tell you a secret. People with bad breath always trying to tell you secrets. You're like, no, I don't want to hear your secret. You stink. You know, that's how pride is, isn't it? Pride is like, no, nah, I'm good. Is it true or not? Oh, because you got everything figured out, God. 
There's one job and one job alone. It's taken. It's God's. You can't take his job. You can try. That's called idolatry. When you put yourself in the seat of God, you are an idol to yourself. You cannot receive from God because your hands are so full of yourself. It's just like stuffed with you. And God's like, I'm trying to give you something that will bless you, that will help nations. But you just got you. It's all you got. And see, this is a cycle. We got hurt, self-righteousness, materialism, familiarity, and pride. And the problem is this, that it's not just you. You actually can change an atmosphere by your receptivity or lack thereof. Oof. I'm about to get into a realm right now. Talk about something that I promise you. If you receive it, it will change your home, not just you. Yesterday we had a wedding here. It's an awesome wedding. It's an amazing wedding. Is anybody from the family, Louie and Natalie, here? No, because they're all tired and <laughs> here picking up petals from all over the ground the whole night, you know. Um, any you guys' feet hurting? Yeah. Uh, right? It was an awesome wedding. Listen, this family used to be completely against, against Louie being in this church. And Natalie, like, no. They would make fun of them, everything, whole nine yards, you know, like, cruz, cruz, you know, like, you're not going to them. You don't forget who you are, all these kinds of things, man. Yesterday, that family would not stop thanking us. I think everybody that went down to the podium thanked the church, isn't it? Mom kissed me a lot. The dad even, <laughs> I was like, Mr. Chong, come down. You know, it was awesome. They were amazing people, man. They're a beautiful family, beautiful family. Let me tell you what happened. Louis changed. Natalie began to change. Their family, their, the way they had dealt with their relationship. The way their relationship was before Jesus and after Jesus changed everything. The way they became receptive to the needs. The way they became kind and, and firm about their decisions. The way they became truly, honestly, their life began to change atmospheres. Are you an atmosphere changer? Are you somebody that when you step into the room, your own desire for the Lord just makes people want to hear God, want to want more of God? Or are you somebody that when you step into the room, things shut down because you're so cool? Or are you hungry for God? Are you expectant? And I'm not saying we're all going to be like crazy soccer fans. Ah! You know, like only Marcos can be that way. You know what I mean? No, I'm just kidding. Come on, Marcos, give me a shout. Yeah. All right, cool. Marcos and his cell group. Yeah, and then some more, right? Actually, I absolutely love that. Love that because it lets me know let's do this. It's my go time, right? Can you say, God, I'm hungry? Man, if you are, if you're an army, say hoorah, right? <laughs> if you're, I you don't know, Marines, you say hoorah, right? What's Navy say? No. no. <laughs> army speaks. <laughs> army speaks. Colin was here, he'd be like, but I'm telling you this, I don't care if you say chale or whatever you want to say. Just, man, be responsive, man. And I'm not saying about the sermon only. Be responsive to God. When was the last time you were impacted by God? Or you were walking and God just showed you something and you're like, yeah, that was great, man. Seriously. And I'm not corny, look, but the other day, <laughs> I'm not. But the other day, I got so impacted. It's going to sound really corny. But I looked at my wife and I was like, mm, mm, mm. Lord, Lord, Lord. I'm not playing. And it wasn't like, oh, Lord. It was like, wow, she's beautiful. Like, I'm telling you, I was looking at her, and I was just like, I feel so undeserving. I'm not even playing. <laughs> she's not here, so I'm not scoring points right now. But I'm like, I was looking, I was like, thank you, Lord, so much. Thank you for all you've given me. Thank you so much, man. I, I was looking at the family, and I was like, man, I love you so much. I became receptive to his caress. He was caressing me right that moment. He was saying like, there you go, boy. I love you so much. Look what I gave you. Undeserving. It's yours. And I'm like, it was so amazing. It was so amazing. Are you receptive to God's love? Man, when you get paid, when you get your check, ah, the freaking taxes. Or you're saying, God, thank you because I got a job, man. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, thank you so much because I can, man, I could pay my bills. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Like, I get to live in a nation that I can say these things. Can you say that? Are you receptive to what God is doing? I'm going to close with this. It's, it's very, honestly, uh, it baffles me sometimes that in the Bible it says it over and over. 
that Jesus, there's a specific part in the scripture that I was like, dude, this is crazy. I'm going to read to you out of Matthew 13. Matthew 13. When Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there. He came to his hometown and began teaching. Where was he at? His hometown. is the homecoming. Jesus' homecoming. He began teaching them in the synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is not this a carpenter's son? Listen, it was awesome up to there. It was great. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? And then some idiot on the background says, wait, hold up. Isn't this a carpenter's son? Listen, isn't this a carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Holy Spirit. May that never be the case in his home. Well, because of your familiarity and over-familiarity with God. He's not, he's not Jay. He's not the buddy. He's the Lord. He's not, you know, it's crazy to me how easy this culture dishonors the presence of God. I'm, I'm odd sometimes. I, the other day I went to smack someone, but she was a lady, so I couldn't. Effing Jesus Christ. And I was just like, ah, man. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's cultural. Oh, well, it's, it's just a saying. Exactly. Exactly. How do you receive from a cuss word? Like, how do you get blessed by something you just used in a cuss word? Like, how do you dishonor God so much to where we cannot give him an hour of our 24-hour span and three hours or six hours go to our phone? How do we receive from someone we honor so little? Now, maybe I'm sounding old school right now and maybe... Maybe, just maybe, maybe we need to learn something from the old school people. It's a little bit of honor and saying, God, in this town, in this place, in this church, in this house, in this relationship, you will be honored. I don't care if anybody else honors you, you will be honored. Listen, my God deserves all honor and glory and praise. Amen? So at some point or another, God's going to speak to you this week. And you'll have the choice to hear him or to ignore him. The one thing I know about my king, and I'm certain of it, the more I listen to him, the more he speaks. Why should he tell you another thing if, he always, <laughs> if you didn't obey the first thing? When you start obeying the little things, you'll begin to hear his voice. Emily, are you here? Come on up here real quick, please. Uh, John, was he part of the service? You guys were here two times ago. Okay, come on up here, Emily. Thank you. Yeah. Emily is also single, by the way. She has a boyfriend, but it doesn't mean she's married. So, Manny, if you like it so much, put a ring on it. All right. So, I want, I want Emily to share with you guys really quick, just fast. Um, <laughs> some girls are like, boom, boom, to the guy next to you, right? But, uh, but um, the, uh, you shared with me something on Friday, and I just want you to share it really quick with them. Hi, guys. Um, so at work, um, there was a guy that uh, had something in his foot, like some swollenness and some crystal, and he couldn't walk. So for three days, I actually struggled to pray for him. And like the third day, I was like, all right, God, you keep putting this guy in front of me. I have to pray for him now. So as I'm walking down the stairs, I, I'm like, hey, can I pray for your foot? And I prayed for his foot three times. But um, um, the second time that I actually prayed for him, he was like, the one thing I'm amazed at is that you came to uh, pray for me and the fact that you wanted healing for my foot. So I continued the third time to pray. And, you know, he didn't get healed, but I prayed for him. And then as I go into my office... Like, I'm type, uh, typing stuff up. Um, this woman comes up, and like I told in the earlier service, the regional, like, one of the regionals, she closes the door, and she's like, hey, I heard what you did for Victor, and I need you to do the same thing for me. And I'm like, 
I, I was like, I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, I want you to pray for me, for my, for my ex-husband, for my child, and for my now current boyfriend. And I, I, she's like, so what, what do I do? And I said, just close your eyes. And I'm like, and I'll do the rest, you know. So. Uh, <laughs> And I, I think um, I've been receiving a lot of opposition at work. Um, but I, and then I told Pastor Pablo, and, and he was just like, start a cell group at work. And I'm like, awesome. So, yeah. So, sometimes, I'm telling you, man, uh, I want you to stand up with me for just a second. Receptivity will open doors. Receptivity will change the atmosphere. And receptivity will increase your desire to overcome obstacles. So when you're receptive to what God is doing and what God wants to do. Oh, man, I need to, I need to say this. Sometimes you miss opportunities that were from heaven. Maybe people in your life. Because you were not receptive at that moment. And if I can just please listen. How many people have missed so much because they were no longer available? Instead of saying yes to God, they said yes to identity and nobody attacks it. My image. I'm not saying we become nuts, you know. Maybe why not, sure. I'm not saying you become weird, man. But for Emily, that weird worked out pretty good. What are you risking? When you ask for forgiveness, not because you're wrong, but because God is prompting your heart to be humble. What are you losing? Five bucks when you bless somebody, ten bucks. Say it's your salary, dude. But what do you earn? What do you gain? Can I tell you this? Every time, every single time, the Holy Spirit has led me to do something. I have not had a single ounce of regret. Not one time. Not one time. But when I've been disobedient, there's always regret. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. What if today you become obedient to the voice of the Spirit of God? What if today you as a man humble yourself and say, God, why don't you lead my life? Why don't you start guiding my steps? Why don't you as a woman say, God, please, let me hear you more than my emotions. Why don't you become the Lord of my life? Close your eyes, everyone, please. God is packing this church out. You know, Friday service was awesome. This morning service is great. But I believe this service here, this particular service, will be packed not just with people, but with receptive people. Man, what can God do with a room filled with receptivity? What can God do? What kind of pearls would the Lord throw at us if we knew what to do with them? What kind of heart do you have? The one that has a little bowl or the one that has a huge bowl that says, God, I want all of you. I want whatever you've got. I want it for myself. Bring your love, your grace, your kindness, forgiveness. God, I want to be a miracle-working child of God. I don't want to just be a saved person. I don't want fire insurance. I want you, Lord. Some people here, all they want is to not go to hell. No, I want to live in heaven while I'm on earth as well. I want the kingdom of God to come over my life and over yours. Should you get close enough to the leadership of the church to receive something from them, I believe you'll find one thing, and that is genuine. People that are genuinely trying to love and live for the king of kings. Should you decide that you want the same, it's not because they offer, but because I believe God wants a greater, more wonderful, more fulfilling relationship with him for you. With your eyes closed, if there's somebody here that has walked away from their faith, or maybe, just maybe, you've never given your life to Jesus, but you recognize that your heart is receptive this morning. Something's happening. Something is happening right now. Your heart is becoming receptive, sensitive, tender. He's turning a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Man, when you could not receive before, now you're receiving. You cannot believe. If somebody saw you, they'd say, no way. That girl, that guy, heck no. But God is doing something. That is the greatest miracle 
that God could ever do. And that is the power of a transformed life. There are thousands of people, millions of people that can testify to that. A few hundred in this church can tell you, my life is different. My heart has changed. Jesus, if there's someone here that wants, that truly believes, right here, right now, that you are Lord, may they accept you in their hearts. If you want to give Jesus your life, I'd like to ask you to repeat a simple prayer. And it is not magical words. It's simply words that you will make your own and believe. Because it is through faith. It's through believing in your heart that you believe for righteousness, but the confession of your mouth for salvation. Tell him, Jesus Christ, this morning, I realize that I need you. And I ask you to forgive me, to change my life, make me receptive. Dear God, thank you so much for all you've done and all that you're doing. Would you change my life? Take my sin away. Thank you, Jesus, for dying at the cross for me. I accept your sacrifice. And thank you, Jesus, because you resurrected on the third day. You defeated death so that I can have everlasting life. I give you my heart and I give you my life. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Let me give you one last story before you go, if you don't mind. So... Every single day, I had my business. It was about 2008. I was saving, you know, uh, actually back then it wasn't like I had a need to save. It was producing a good amount. And uh, it was before 2009, the horrible recession, so don't get too excited. On 2008, every single day, every day, I felt like going to the ATM and just pulling the max. Back then, my, I don't know, I, I thought the max was 300, so at least that's what I wanted to believe maybe. I didn't try for more. So every single day, I'd pull 300 bucks. Every single day. Every day, compulsively. I remember I get home sometimes late, 11, 11.30. And I'd, oh, man, it's the end of the day. I have to go get money out. And so what I did, I went to the ATM nearest. Rouse was open still then. And so I'd get my, my money and get money out. I'd put it all next to me on a drawer. Every single day. I'm talking about for weeks on end. I just kept on just every day getting weeks and weeks one day, I finally had a stack, and this envelope was bursting. I said, you know what? It's an offering. I got to go give it to church. So, of course, I'm there, and, uh, you know, I forget to give it. By the way, tithings and offerings are different, so we'll talk about that one day. But it's not, it wasn't a tithing. That belongs to the Lord. So this is something I thought was an offering, okay? I bring it, and I forget to give it. I put it on my coat, and, uh, and I close it. I put the amount, and I was just going to give it. No name. just going to throw it in there. And I forgot, completely forgot about the darn envelope. You know, so I was like, okay, well, some guy named Saul afterwards tells me, hey, Pablito, hey, can you stay afterwards? I'd like to talk to you for just a moment. I said, okay, of course. And I wish he was here to testify. If you're listening to this, Saul, come forward. <laughs> and this guy, you know, he comes afterwards. We go to the little church, the little chapel in the back. Everybody's gone. And I, he starts talking to me about how his car blew up that week. Check this out, okay. So he's like, okay, I was on the freeway with my two kids and my wife, Rocio, and we pull over because the car starts smoking. We get out, and the car is just in flames. Like, and so my car blows up. And I was like, oh, man, by now I'm feeling bad for the guy. But then he tells me, and I lost my job this week. My work permit didn't come in. And so they won't take me back at work. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, you've been tested by God. And he tells me, that's not the worst. And his face just turns angry. That's not the worst part. This guy, he owes me so much money. And if he only paid me, I know we'd be making, we could make it through this time. But he owes me so much money. And I look at his face just morph, just change. And I, and I, I feel in my heart like the Spirit of God tells me, tell him to forgive the debt. I wouldn't do that to you. I'm not going to be telling you, hey, forgive Ryan because he owes you 5000 No way. You know, I'm like, it's your money. He's, he's made the deal with you. I'm, not gonna, I'm nobody to ask you to forgive him for that much money. Does that make sense? But the Spirit of God speaks and says, you need to be free. So you need to be free from that anger. You need, to be, you need to set that man free. I don't know who he is. So I'm looking at this guy. This is wild. And he looks at me. He's angry. But, but I said, Saul, you need to right now let go of that anger. You need to forgive that man. Let go of the debt. 
with a lot of reluctance, he will begin to pray and he cries and he finally, finally is able to let go, let go and forgive that guy. It was a beautiful prayer. It was awesome. I hugged the guy. He's like, man, I feel better. And I, inside of me, I was like, oh, you're going to be okay, you know. And, and then I tell him, God will provide. Don't worry about it. How much was it? And when he tells me the amount, I pull my envelope and I show him the envelope with that exact amount. And I said, God provided for you weeks ago. The guy falls to the ground. I fall with him. We're both crying. We're, like, <laughs> We're both crying on the ground. You're like, how? How do you know? I never told anybody. I was like, oh, no. We're both crying on the floor. We're just like, I, my, my arms still get the chills, you know, because I'm remembering. And he was just like, what happened? Like, you know, all over the ground. And we're just like, it was awesome. And I was just there. I remember that. That, that the way he left, he was just pumped. He was just like, he didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. All I know was like, I was just so happy to be part of God's plan. Man, honestly, I was so excited to say, Lord, thank you. Because I, when I heard you, like you, you had things prepared for this man in such need for a long time before. Let me tell you where I learned this. When my father passed away, we lived in Mexico City. My mom had three children. I was two months old. My sister was two years old. My sister was three years old. My brother was two years old. Before my father died, he discipled the guy playing basketball. They started playing ball. Guy was broke as a joke. But he eventually grew into an accountant. He became the accountant of Pemex, Petróleos Mexicanos. He had 12 buffets all over the cities. And he began to hear God speak to him about the widow and his spiritual father and his spiritual mother. He would see my mom. Of course, she seemed fine. We had private schools. Everything seemed okay. My mom was about to lose her house. We were about to be kicked out of our school. I remember the little red notes they would send with me that I wasn't supposed to open. But guess what? Years, eight years after my father's passing, this man hears from heaven and goes into the bank. Check this out. My mom goes at another time, kind of putting her jewelry into this pawn shop, trying to get some money and asking them to wait. And they say, ma'am, I'm sorry, your loan's not here. My mom says, please help. Help me. Can, can you call the manager? I'm sorry, ma'am. It's not here. It's not in the system. The manager comes after some time. Excuse the misunderstanding, ma'am. Gives him a manila envelope with the deed of the house. Some man came before you and paid for the entire house. Said that we shouldn't say who he was. Said not to say a single word. Of course, now you know it was that man who my father had discipled, who became sensitive to the spirit of God, who was blessed and blessed my house by buying it and giving it to my mother. A widow with three kids in Mexico City. Her family had disowned her because she was going to be a nun. And when she became Protestant, they said, I don't even want to go to your wedding. It, had to do, it, it was nothing to do with the religion. It had, to, it had nothing to do with that. My grandma was just angry. See, my mom, and she still taught me what she knew. And I love and I respect. Here's one thing I need you to know. My grandma was no longer sensitive, but she was religious. My mom was sensitive. These people were sensitive. Religion has nothing to do with your sensitivity. Nothing to do with your sensitivity. Can you be sensitive to God? Can you be a miracle working person? Can God use you to work miracles? See, I want to one day buy people houses without them knowing. So it's not going to be you. Without people knowing about it. Why? Because he's blessed my family. I want to be that kind of person where I bless somebody and just walk away and let them know that it was the Lord. Does that make sense? Let God use you guys this week, small things. Maybe it's words of affirmation. Maybe it's a long time that you don't value and receive from your mom or give to your mom and say, look, I want to say sorry for whatever it is that you need to say sorry about. And I know you're right. Yeah, you're right. But you need to be righteous more than right. Remember that. We love you guys so much in this church. We want you to get connected. If you don't know, we have something called cell groups. This is not the church. This is a celebration of what happens during the week. Cell groups is where our church grows. During that cell group is where we get discipled. We, we get challenged. Chris was a parting no good. <laughs> Chris was, uh, he was always a great guy. But it wasn't until he had personal discipleship that he became marryable. <laughs> and he became a man of God who loves Christ. And now he has his disciples next to him who love Jesus also, yes? All right, awesome, awesome. He's now not just prosperous. God's blessed him financially, all these things. Single, yes. But, but he's now a blessing to other people. Let me ask you, where would your life be if God wouldn't use Christian in your life? 
doing nothing. God uses people. Even Chris. If God can use Chris, <laughs> he may use you. God bless you guys. See you guys during the week. Bye.